Hello again folks, it's nearly that time again to come around the world with me, Nick Hammond. Uh, I hope you're all in fine form. And the news is getting brighter, isn't it? Slowly but surely we're getting a little closer to where we want to be. And that is out and about and seeing each other and enjoying a bit of hospitality. We're getting there, we're getting there. Um, today I've got a brilliant pod for you. This man is a remarkable chap. He's a chef um, amongst many other talents and you may say he's barking mad because he's just opened a a shop uh, uh, during lockdown selling cheese and sausage rolls <laughs> amongst other things. It's a beautiful shop in a lovely little town in Norfolk but this is not just a, a a story about that. This is a powerful podcast. Charlie Hodgson has had a tough life, I think it's fair to say, um, and he's been through a lot. And we talk about his love for food and how he got into cooking and his obsession with certain things and how it drove him to become a restaurant, a pub owner, hotelier, working all the hours that God sends. And, and then we also talk a bit about how his life has changed in recent months, opening the shop, and also because as soon as the shop was open, or you know, uh, as it was about to open, he fell very seriously ill, um, and had a decision to make, and has had a decision to make every day since then, as to how he lives his life and carries on. And he tells us about that in some detail. He then goes on to talk about something that which we don't talk about much, and is so important, and especially at this time when we've had one of the most extraordinary years, I think, certainly in my lifetime, um, and the winter months have been long and dark and hard, and mental health is something which people don't really speak about. You say to your pal or someone you see on the street, how are you? Fine, thanks, you? Yeah, great, and you go off, whether it's true or not. And for a lot of people, it isn't true. Um, and I don't know why we don't talk about it, but we don't. And f most of us at some stage in our lives will have mental health issues that should be addressed. And we just ignore it. And if it was a broken bone or, uh, you know, uh, if you had um, a cut or something niggling you, your hip was aching, you had a rash, it was driving you mad, you'd get it sorted. But when it's your brain, we don't. Uh, and Charlie has been to the bottom. He really has. And he talks very emotionally later in the pod about that and how he's come through it. But it's still a pod of laughs and fun. It's still a pod of joy. Let's just get on with it. And let me introduce you to the wonderful Charlie Hodson. Good morning and welcome. Charlie, how are we? Good morning, Nick. Very well, mate. You? Yeah, I mean, good form for a Monday. I'm normally not a Monday person, if I'm honest, but um, I've just been for a walk. It's not raining, which is a pleasant change. And I'm looking forward to chatting to you, my friend. And uh, and you haven't been keeping busy. Uh, first question I must ask you, Charlie, is what sort of a nutter launches a shop <laughs> during an international pandemic? <laughs> well, um, it's a bit easier than running a pub, Nick. Um, right. I guess when when COVID first came around in March, you know, we'd, we'd only met the year before previously out on the water. Right. And, um, you know, so when COVID was, was launched and for all of us within hospitality, mate, it's, um, we all thought, I guess, at the time that, you know, a few months time, uh, it'll all be gone and we'll be back to normal. And then we sort of realised within... I think for everyone within at least a couple of weeks, we realise, crap, what's going on? You know, this is um, this isn't anything to be seen lightly or to be taken lightly. Uh, and then, as you saw, more and more people saying, "Well, we can't open, we can't do this, we can't do that. Um, we're going to lose our livelihoods, we're going to lose our restaurants, we're going to lose our pubs." And as we've seen over the past year, um, the most staple of the British Institute of Hospitality, we've lost uh, quite a few in London. And around the country with pubs and restaurants closing um i didn't you know the cheese room was something that was designed over the past sort of 20 odd years of people i've met and 
and it's a dream come true. Um, You've been thinking it, about doing this for a long time, have you? Just to give the listeners the background, which I will, yeah. ex- will have explained earlier in the intro. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you're a chef by trade. Um, and when we met, in fact, it's a nice story how we met. We must talk about that later. Um, but when we met, you were running several pubs, were you not? We were running several pubs. We had um, an events business, albeit not a, a massive one at that point. Um, a consultancy, bit of the food industry. Right. So yeah, we, we're quite quite busy. And then um, uh, chef crew for uh, Henry Chamberlain at Coastal Exploration. Yeah. So yeah, quite quite a few little f- uh, fires going on at the same time, I guess. And your thought was always to have your own little place, was it, in the back of your mind? No. <laughs> so, <laughs> Fair enough. Down there. So. It was, but subconsciously, if that makes sense. So um, right. in 2017, I was introduced to Angus. Do you know what? It gets really emotional, this bit, mm. which is quite strange because it's... Um, so in 2017, I was introduced to Angus and Claire, mm. who run the Red Line at Barnes, which is uh, the most amazing Fuller's pub, which is some of the listeners might know, okay. uh, is our spiritual home to the roll-off, which is the National Social competition uh yes which is held at the beginning of every year and i was introduced to him by a, a, a really good mate of mine alan payton who's who's a bit of a pork king um and, and there isn't anything he doesn't know about pork and he sort of sent, sent me this little tweet one day is all social media it's done between our chefs because um, we never have time to pick up the phone mate you've got to enter this competition it's all about sausage rolls so i thought well do you know what that's quite nice sausage roll cider Lovely. Cigar, as you'll understand, cigar, cider and sausage roll. What more <laughs> could you want in life? Um, and uh, I entered in 2017, and um, we we had a sausage roll called the Nelson, which had um, Wild Night Vodka in, which is distilled in Norfolk, Norfolk Saffron, uh, rapeseed oil made by Crush from Norfolk, fruit pig black pudding from the, uh, Matt and Grant down the market, mm. um, which is amazing fruit pudding uh, made with real blood, not all these dried out, horrible ingredients. Yeah. Um, my pork from Tim Allen, who I went to uh, agriculture college with many years ago, where all my pork comes from, from his farm up in North Norfolk. And um, some amazing pastry made by my mate Grimsby, who used to run a very big baker's in Norfolk called Pie Bakery. And um, I sort of won. <laughs> so Did the you? first year I entered, yeah, I won the first year. And I sort of thought, well, that's Brilliant. quite cool. And, um, you know, you've got an amazing set of knives from Maya Shen and Nat Rationale sponsor it. And, and you know what? I didn't realise on that point how important um, it's 2017. It's where four years ago now this year. Um, mm. I didn't. I knew how important provenance was, and the and the storytelling of food, and how, uh, how vitally important it is in our business. And I guess when I've looked at your podcast, and I've listened to your podcast, and seen the journeys on how a cigar comes from the leaf to being mm. rolled to the consumer, it's very. I don't want to use food and, and, and cigars exactly the same, but the provenance of it and, and yeah. the quality uh, is all down to how it's grown, how it's picked, how Absolutely. it's looked after, and cool. the love and thought that goes into growing it. So each crop is uh, very similar. Um, and uh, do you know what? It's judged by these amazing judges. And uh, one of the judges on when I won was Pierre Kaufman. Oh, legend. Legend. Oh, do you know what? He's, he's, he, I don't know anyone who um, in our industry who doesn't think that Pierre Kaufman, or even you only have to mention his first name, and everyone goes, is that Kaufman? Pierre Kaufman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you and get a chance um, to meet him and talk to him? I've got his oh, book God, right yeah. in front of me on my desk. Oh, which book? Uh, it's the red one. Um, red cover. Yeah. Oh, it's Kaufman. beautiful, mate. Yeah, Kaufman. Yeah, it's yeah, uh, class- classic Kaufman. Classic Kaufman. Yeah, beautiful book. Beautifully written. Oh, um, I mean, just he makes everything seem so easy and effortless, and like anyone good, like you say, like a good cigar roller or a good chef. But it just, you know, it comes out, and the pictures just make you just think, "Oh God, I'd kill to eat that." <laughs> well, do you know what? And his old his saying is still true to this day. And and like great many chefs before him, a good set of knives, great ingredients. That is all you need. Yeah. To actually, and you got a chance to amazing. chat to him, did you? Well, yeah, he sort of. He's like my sausage roll, you know, the best out of the lot. Um, with other people like Mark Poynton, who's another great mate of mine, who happily happened to be a judge and 
Uh, I didn't realise that until the time. Um, and Graham Garrett, who who's very wrote another beautiful, amazing book, um, Sex and Drugs and uh, Sex and Drugs and Sausage Rolls. Really, um, and he's a restaurateur down from Kent. So these were the judges, and it's um, uh, and it was just amazing, you know. And I had a photograph with him at the end, and um, he put his arm around. We were talking, and it was just like you were talking to your head chef in your kitchen. It wasn't really, uh, yeah. I was just amazing, and it wasn't a great amount of time, you know. I could sat and talk to him all night, and you know, it's really funny because normally at the Red Lion. Uh, for the roll-off, the boys just get, we all get absolutely slaughtered. There's no, <laughs> we're not going to lie about it. It's a, a chance for 20 of us to catch, catch up. Yeah. Some of us don't see each other from year to year to every year to the roll-off. Uh, and it's an important time for us to, to bond and say hello and make sure we're all right and just catch up in life. Um, but that was the only fleeting moment I've ever wanted to stop drinking because I didn't want to not be able to understand a word he was saying to me. I bet. And it was he just, um, and he wasn't patronizer or anything. Oh, God, no, 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 far from it, far from it, far from it, far from it. Absolutely, um, absolutely the pedestal of, uh, and it's quite strange because a lot of people say, um, getting a Michelin star or two rosettes or three rosettes is a pinnacle of their career or, or you know, fulfilling a dream of mm. having their own supercar or you know, their house that they've always desired. But that was it, that was my pinnacle moment, was it really? Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. and I also revere him because he's a Gascon chef, isn't he? And and I love Gascon. I have a bit of a love affair with that part of the world and and their cuisine and their Armagnac. And I'm funny enough, I was uh, one of the guests on this season is going to be a, a Gascon. Um, so well, who's that? Oh, can I not ask? Uh, well, I don't know when. Uh, yeah, I can tell you. Hell, it's um, it's the la- a lady who is the uh, sort of head of the press bureau for the uh armagnac um oh wow that's cool yeah and so um she travels the world or did teaching people about armagnac and i've been lucky enough to go over and spend time with her over there and doing the whole musketeer thing and testing and tasting armagnacs from all over the region and oh it is just to die for you know geese and ducks everywhere and that's all they eat they're as healthy as you like. They eat more bloody fat than you can possibly imagine. <laughs> um, and and everything is so tied to the land. You know, there's wild figs growing in the hedgerows. And, yeah. and it, it's very unspoiled France still. And little tiny lanes when there's a farm down there and there'll be a little sign banged in the side of the road saying, you know, Armagnac, can you drive down? There's a little old lady in there, doesn't speak English. She comes waddling out with this like plastic jug of armagnac from her private stores, and it's just the most beautiful thing. But anyway, that's uh, digressing. So, Hobson and Co. came out of this, did it? Well, yeah. So I sort of, I was, when I got home, and I'd been down with one of my mates who supplies raw oil and stuff, and got home, and then it sort of sinks in, doesn't it? And it's then subconsciously you think about, you know, do you know what? I was in London in front of five hundred people. Um, ranting on about Norfolk produce. Um, and so then after the past, subconsciously, it sort of evolved in my head over the past, I guess, four years. And um, when it got to uh, first COVID, uh, and I've always loved, I've always loved cheese. I grew up in northern France. I was born in northern France. Where are you? Um, yeah, yeah, you're just on the borders in, in Korea, uh, hmm. near Lille, just outside Lille. Oh, yeah. So how did that come about? What were your folks doing out there? Um, my folks were missionaries at the time, into uh, the um, uh, mission to miners. Gosh, up in northern France, and um, and I loved. I, I I remember as a child going for lunch, um, to this lady's house, and outside her back door was row upon row upon row of hutches of rabbits, and I thought as a little boy, how amazing that she loves her pets so much, um, and then it was time for lunch. <laughs> and then a rabbit was would come but for the first rabbit i ever had i thought it was chicken which is very similarity when yeah. you're a child and even to this day a lot of people think when they eat rabbit it tastes a bit more chicken than, than rabbit but yeah um so i grew up with all those with all those amazing things and my first love of cheese came from um chicons and ham baked in the oven uh with the most beautiful cheese over the top and i just mm-hmm. remember it as a child and i can i can still go back to being sort of four or five and remembering these one of these things 
Um, and I don't, and I'll go on to it in a little while. I, 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 uh, mm-hmm. I don't remember that much of my childhood from seven onwards, but we'll, we'll go on to that in a bit, I guess, at okay. some point. And um, I just remember all these things about food and then growing up and, and, and then my career and life then changed in the in the mid-early 90s and I found my love of food and, and got involved in, with some amazing people. And it's all been stored in my head. And then yeah. sort of March, April time, it came out. Well, when we and saw each other, we saw each other at the middle of March and we met, and listeners will know, or regular listeners may remember Henry Chamberlain from the Coastal Exploration Company. And Charlie was part of the crew that day that took me out for a piece I was writing. Um, and we spent just the most beautiful morning on the salt marshes in uh, off Norfolk. And... Um, but then, even then, you know, we were looking at the trains <clears throat> and saying, all those people are going into London and it's not going to be long before they're locked down. And I think it was literally a couple of days later, Charlie, wasn't it, when they when they closed everything? And that was the last sort of official assignment I've been able to go on. Yeah, it was a week before, wasn't it? Because then it came out in Country Life in sort of May, June time. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And um, it was, we were discussing, you know, and we never, you know, if we, if we could turn the clock back now and yeah. think, you know, Sometimes the conversations that we all had at the time, I think, were quite frivolous and quite naive of, yep, of, of, of the destruction this pandemic would cause. Um, not, uh, and I'm not talking about business now, I'm talking about lives and families that shattered through it. Absolutely. Uh, and I think when we, when we look at numbers, we forget um, those who families have been torn apart by, you know, whether it's one death that's, that's lost that we know of as families, I think we all, I think most families will know someone who's affected by COVID in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, at some, uh, I think at the time, if we'd have known uh, the outcome of it, I think a lot of us would have been a, a lot more frivolous with our, with our traveling over the past year and stuff and, and been a bit more serious about it, but that's, um, Quite. that is life. But, yeah. um, so it was it wasn't until that time that you thought right I might as well do this thing then. Yeah, I thought um wow. let's culminate everything I've got in my head that goes my head's a bit like a merry-go-round. <laughs> and uh, sometimes it will stop and people get on and off and other people get back on it and then it starts another conversation <laughs> as you're fast and where my time on the boat. Um and which I love because my mind's always going um and the cheese jumped off the merry-go-round and I thought oh that's quite a cool idea. And I said to my partner, I said, you know, um, I could do this. If I get the right backing, I can do this. We can do it really, really well. Um, so I had everything, all the ingredients, and I had everything. And we were looking in places in, in, in a town called Acle, which is just sort of 15 miles from home, up the A47. Beautiful town. Everyone goes for it. Home being where? Uh, Norwich, Norfolk. Right. And... Um, we looked through it and we couldn't find anything. And we found one building. Uh, so we thought, that's really cool. So we wrote handwritten letters to every shop in the town, asking, you know, because of what was going on at the time. Um, and we sent them all out. Uh, if you wanted to, if you have a lease that you wanted to get rid of, please talk to us and um, maybe we can talk about it. Mm. And that all sort of got forgotten. And I was with my butchers in Aylsham, which is an, another town sort of to the east and um and my mate said to me he said um there's a shop up coming up for rent and ocean mate it'd be perfect for what you want and i walked down to the shop i met the um the agents walked over the door and you know it's that old saying when people go and buy them a first house you walk in within 10 seconds you know it's right yeah open the front door the front door creaked the floorboards creaked it was (laughs) all oak floorboards um needed quite a bit of work um, no kitchen was built, so we ha- we'd have to do everything inside of it. And I thought, that's great. Yeah, I've got a little bit of an idea. This is a home. This is going to be the home for Hodgson and Co. Um, and sort of agent locks the front door. You walk up the street and you look above your head, beautiful sunny sky, look above your head, and there it shone, Red Lion Street. Yeah. So which that then went back to Red Lion at Barnes, and that was it. It had to be done then. That was it. That was the birth of Hodgson Co., Real. And it was going to be, in your mind, what was the, the vision? Uh, a big... So down in Whitstable, there's a place called Wheelers, 
Yep, I know it. Um, a very small front, beautiful seafood little restaurant. Sixteen yep, comes out the there, back. Yeah, yeah. And then down the other road, there's uh, a beautiful delicatessen. All white tiles, big meat yep. slices. I wanted a bit of both. Right. I wanted the love and care and passion that was given to both foods in both units. I wanted the ambience of uh, the deli with the artisan craftsmanship that came from Wheelers, with the real, real knowledge. Like they've got about their fish, but the real, real knowledge behind the cheese. And I've ranted and raved about cheese most of my life, and I love it. Um, at the Grove at Chrome, I had an old wheeled uh, domed trolley with little cloches on nine cheeses. The Grove, the Grove at Cromer, yeah. I'm sure I stayed there. Um, big building, family owned, lovely That's kitchen the one. gardens. Yeah. So I took over there in 2013. Took over the kitchen and the restaurant. I wonder <clears> if you were <throat> there when I was there then. 2000 and 2013 for three years, and we we got a two hit wonder with two rosettes within seven months, Did which you? is which is quite unheard of. Not, they normally don't give two out straight away. But yeah, I had this. Place, I don't know if, if you remember the cheese trolley. And I would take the cheese trolley cheese out an hour before service started. So when it and it was all on a big, big mirror trolley um, with handmade biscuits, um, oh. beautiful quince, handmade chutneys, and that is how I remember cheese being served. So it's oozing. Yeah. It was soft. It was beautiful, but it it wasn't coming out of the freeze. And this is what really annoys me. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. When people buy amazingly expensive cheese. And um, they don't it, – it takes a lot of care. Cheese mm. is like a really good wine, um, a good cigar, a good bottle of red. That If you're going to spend a lot of money on a, a beautiful piece of cheese, you've got, you've got to love it. Good point. It's, it's not just slinging it in a bit of set, um, cling film and bunging it in the fridge for three weeks and then getting it out <laughs> two minutes before you eat it. It's not going to cer- do it, certainly is not, it? Certainly not cling film. Certainly not cling film. Um, you know, and it's absolutely – you know, it's – sometimes I actually think cheese is harder to keep than anything else mm. to keep it, to keep it nice. And, and when people, people go and they buy massive chunks of cheese yeah. where they can keep coming in the shop, you know, once or twice a week, which a lot of our locals do. Yes. Yeah, so they'll come in two or three times. Yeah. yeah. So you've got to love it. If and how would you cheese, keep, how would you recommend listeners keep their cheese then, shall they? It should be in an airtight tin. Yeah. Prefer, preferably glass. Right. Airtight Airtight glass, keep the wax. We serve in a beautiful wax paper. Okay. We don't put stickers or labels on it or anything else. We fold the paper around the cheese mm. um, nice and tightly, uh, quarter angle, so it's got a nice seal on it, and that's stored away. And we always advise people, store your cheese in a glass airtight container. Interesting. Yeah. And so, it's, uh, so as well as, how many cheeses are you selling at the moment? Uh, I think we've got 42 at the moment. Wow. Um, and as well as a vast, lovely array of cheeses, what else can one expect if one crosses a threshold? Gosh, uh, the best black pudding uh, made by the Fruitby oh. Boys, who we talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, charcuterie from, uh, and um, I would say 90% of everything I've got in the shop is from Norfolk, within yeah. sort of 28 miles. So charcuterie from literally three minutes up the road, tomato chilli jam. The most amazing, I have to mention this, even though it's nothing about uh, cheese, um, my lovely mate Liz walker who owns the tea lady which is the chutney that we had on the boat um, oh, lime and limoncello. killer limoncello marmalade. that's the one that's the one and, oh. and it's all these sort of little things that I've, I've i've put together in my my own shopping basket over the past nine eight years and everywhere i look around the shop there's a story so there's a story about the marmalade there's a story about the chili jam there's a story about the oil yeah uh, norfolk saffron so dr sally francis um, another great mate who Saffron was in the first sausage roll, uh, grown up in, in Norfolk. Can't tell you where because it's in a secret location. Is it? Um, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. She guards it under lock and key. Um, it's all grown and picked in Norfolk. Uh, she does a, a normal Saffron, then a smoked Saffron. And it's absolutely amazing. Grade A. And there is absolutely, absolutely the best uh, Saffron that I've ever tasted. And unknown to many people, medieval times, um, saffron was a, 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 a great harvest that used to go out from the north of the quay at Wells. And it's worth more than its weight in gold, isn't it? Absolutely, still to this day. Yeah. Very much so. 
Yeah, very much so. The same as, well, it used to be the t- in the Roman Empire days, salt was your, your main That's right. material value. And uh, saffron was the second. And we were on the radio with uh, Sally um, for the saffron tales. Have you ever read the book? No. It's another great one for you. Is it? Yeah. By Jermaine. Well, I'll make um, that. Yeah. Uh, and we did the Radio 4, Good Food, with Sally and the Saffron Tales. And, uh, yeah, it's a great book to read. And the journey is how it all moved itself around the world as, as either currency or a food item. Oh, fascinating. I will get that. So that's what I mean, you see, Nick, everything about... It's, I'm, I'm sure it's very much the same to you when I've, I've read the book, um, Around the World, Nate Cigars, and love it because it's places that I've been to. Yeah. Um, not necessarily about the cigar, but I remember the smell of the places. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure it's very similar to you when you talk about cigars, that everything has, every cigar has a story and people you've met, people you've That's right, with. and one seems to lead to another, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And it, it has a very translucent way of travelling between the yeah. two and marrying food and uh, really good Armagnac or really good wine or really amazingly good coffee that you can remember. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And somehow yeah. all these people that come in and out of your life are linked together with this passion for what they do, and that's what... I think that's why we, you know, we immediately sort of hit it off, you and I, because for the same reasons, you know, you were talking about all the stuff that interests me and I've spent a lot of time going around finding people like this, making amazing things and and you're doing the same thing. And, and uh, to actually, you know, have it in front of you in in, in a shop in physical form, you, you must stand outside sometimes, look at it and think, wow, I'm really proud of this. You know what, I... Um... There's an artist up here. Well, Colin, Colin, who was out with us yeah. that day when we were sailing. Yeah. His wife, Mim, um, came to some photographs of the shop for me. Okay. Uh, just before December. And uh, she captured me beautifully, which is at the time what we're going to, because I had a bit of a hard time just after, just before then. Yeah. And um, wasn't feeling great, if I'm honest, really? at the time. Right. But, um, but she captured part of, and I look at the photograph now, photographed outside the shop. And yeah, you do have to pinch yourself, mate. And But also part of me feels quite sad in a way because, you know, it's it's a, it's a bit of a story tale um, to get Hodgson & Co and, and be doing it. And it's only with the support of some amazing people that I've been able to do it. Um, but I pinch myself because I also then read social media every time I wake up. Mm. in the morning and see some amazing mates of mine and some really close friends and also strangers uh, who are losing everything day by day at the moment. Yeah. Um, and your heart goes out to them because we can't do anything. No. Uh, that's that's when it really f- hurts is when you know there's nothing you can do. And, um, and that's the bit that's horrible, isn't it? When you just feel utterly helpless. Yeah, absolutely. And I've noticed the shop going quieter and quieter now, now really? through this last lockdown. Um, but, you know, we're, we're still, we can still open and we can still sell a product, which is food, and we're supporting, we're part of our local. And the reason, really, we've kept open is because we're part of our local community and we're there to, um, we hope, to serve the community as best as we can in a safe and, and, and good manner. So... Yeah, long may that continue. We, well, you know, lovely it's... thing to have on your doorstep for for those people, and a bit of light in the gloom. But l- let's talk about um, your issues before the opening, because um, you mentioned them there. You weren't very well at all, were you? No, I was a bit of a, a bit of a poorly bunny. You <laughs> were quite harsh. Um, yeah, as we were, as we, two weeks after getting the keys for the shop, I started to feel quite unwell. Um, ended up sort of late at the end of it going sort of using the old WC about 18 times a day, mate. And um, when that happens, you know, something's quite fundamentally wrong. Went to the doctor. So it all came to fruition, so to speak, really quickly. Yeah, over... Uh, I'd, hash, I'd, I'd had issues early on in the year, sort of right. December, January, November, December, January time, where I'd lost an awful amount of weight very really? quickly. Um and I had a few problems with the old WC, but thought nothing of it, didn't think anything of it. And now with we're looking back, I can see maybe right. that was a start of a wake-up call. Um, but as blokes, we don't as well. No, no, as no. People, you, we don't. The idea, 
stick your head under the pillow and forget about it, don't you? You know, you think, oh, I can't, I can't do that today. I can't, we've got too busy. We've got this in the pub. We've got that going on. We've got this going on. But all of us, whatever we do, it's all like, I'll be okay. It's nothing serious. So yeah, we got the keys to the shop and um, we're, we started to work on the shop and I, I, I started to lose my strength. And as you'll know, you know, we, we work quite hard up here. We do really. We, it's, um, we work long days and, and like nobody, everybody else in our industry. And uh, I started getting tired and then I went to the doctors and my doctor initially said, um, uh, it's mostly just, you know, something inside, not working a tail or something because right. there's a bit of blood and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I wasn't happy with it, so I went back and saw my another doctor who happened to be uh, a locum who said, uh, we're going to get you up to the hospital, NNUH, and, um, which is our local in Norwich, and uh, emergency colonoscopy. And within oh. sort of f- five minutes of coming out... The, really? The, yeah, without five, well, literally within five like minutes. Literally, like, there and then? Yeah, they told you on the spot that they, they saw something that possibly could be oh. um, the word that, you know, we all go... <gasps> Yeah, exactly. Well, tell tell it, me but... about that. How on earth did you feel when they said, you know, in a very matter of fact way, right, this is what we think it might be? Uh, I was did you know? Right. Yeah, I sort of, in my head. Yeah. Um, because my other, my other half, my darling girl, had sort of um, Googled everything and right. seen, so she sort of knew in her head what it was yeah. 99%. Right. So... But, you know, we both looked at each other and said, you know what will be, will be. We'll get through it. We'll fight yeah, it. Exactly. Um, prior, before we went for the colonoscopy, and, you know, when they sit you down, and you've seen all these programmes, and you yeah. see it when people sit someone down, saying, so, you know, you've got... Um, and uh, at the time, I'd only, just before then, I'd just been appointed as patron of the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in... Uh, chef patron of Queen Elizabeth Hospital in King's Lynn. Oh, wow. Um, and that was, like, two weeks before... And when I, I was speaking to some of the team up there and they said, you know, you've got to go, you've got to get a second opinion. And, and maybe if it wasn't for the team at the QEH, Caroline, who's the uh, chief exec, and it still gets emotional, mate. Well, I'm not surprised, <laughs> mate. I'm not surprised. It's um, so, you a sort of gather yourself. Massive thing, I'd imagine. Yeah, when you're normally fighting fit, mate, and um, yeah, and you're healthy be. and... Yeah. Um, you know, I look back and it was only three years before that I was on, on lifeboat crew at Croman and fighting fit, never struggled with my health really. And you think, you mate, I can't, granted, you? I can't be, I can't be doing this. I haven't got time for this. What's going on? <laughs> so what, um, did the, what did the treatment involve, Charlie? Because it seems, you know, obviously from the outside and I didn't know till, you know, you, you'd said when it was going on and it all seemed to be sort of, dealt with very quickly obviously that's probably not the, the truth of it what was the reality uh reality was it, it was it was um i had my colonoscopy yeah um which then came back with the then a couple of meetings with my consultant who was amazing mr sam powell um and you know we we get a lot of bad press our nhs gets a lot of bad press absolutely yeah wherever you are in the country some people aren't happy with this or some people aren't happy with that um well, I've got nothing but uh, sheer admiration. Absolute admiration. Um, and, and so, so they I went to... you in straight away? Yeah, it, t- it took a few weeks. I was right. under the knife on the um, 20... Well, we opened the shop on the 16th of uh, October. Yeah. And on the 23rd, I was under the knife. Right, um, Don't do things afternoon. by halves, mate. <laughs> no, no, but then that was another decision. Nick. do we? Yeah. Do we just close up? Do we just think about you know, it. we put we put a bit into it, but we will just shut the door, we'll hand the keys back, and say, do you know what? This just isn't going to work. Yes. Um, and my mates all went, "Well, you can't do that, mate." Really? You can't do that. We'll all rally round, rally round, and um, some amazing friends, chefs, producers. Uh, we'll drive this, we'll take this there, we'll do wow. that, we'll open your shop, we'll work in the shop. We all know about cheese, we can muddle through, we can make it work. Um, really? And they did. On the 23rd, I was in hospital, um, on the operating theatre for eight hours, I think, God. just about, um, which everything was removed, and uh, and I had bowel cancer. So um, 
And it's one of those things. And, you know, we spoke about this before, Nick, when you see so many things about testicular cancer and, 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 and men checking and, yeah. but you don't see much for people pushing people to check their bowel can- for bowel cancer of any kind. No, it's um, true. I, I remember when I years ago worked on one of the newspapers, the local lady was very um, vocal about it. And even then, you know, people would be reluctant to discuss it. But the bottom line is you need to keep an eye on your, on your, on your stools. And, and if there's yep. blood in the water, then you desperately need to go and see someone sharpish and just get checked out. Is that the long and short of it, Charlie? There is a long and short of it. Check, yeah. check your toilet, to- toiletry deposits. Um, and if it doesn't look right, or if you're going too many times, get your backside down to your doctors and don't leave your doctors until they've looked at you properly. Right. That's my greatest advice. Not just get yourself to the doctors, but be adamant with your doctor that you, you know it's not checked. right. Yeah. And um, did you have to do any chemo or anything like that? No. So I had my op and this, the surgeon before the op said, you know, we're going to, try and do it through keyhole well <laughs> no kidding when i came out looked like i've been shot by an ak-47 um and uh he had done an amazing job and it taken everything out um uh, but pre-warned you beforehand you know it could involve uh chemo um okay. and but no but by the grace but by the grace of god no more further treatment i've got another operation that i've got to go in for to put some things right because okay. I, I wear a stoma bag yeah um, so my little stoma bag and I called, I, I called my stoma Kevin and then I changed <laughs> it to Trevor cause Kevin was a mate of mine. I don't know anyone called Trevor. Um, and yeah, you learn, you learn how to keep your stoma. It's only temporary. So it'll all be reversed. Um, but normally you see, you get the, the average age is a lot older for people having stoma bags. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so youngsters and I've, I've been quite prolific on, on, social media on instagram posting certain pictures about my stone because it's what's we just don't like talking about it no um and it is though it's it's my stone bag saved my life so why on earth wouldn't you want to talk about it this little bag (laughs) yeah absolutely absolutely what's what is the alternative there isn't one um well there is but i didn't want to go down that avenue (laughs) exactly Um, so yeah, I've got many, many things to be grateful for. I've got a beautiful shop. I'm surrounded by beautiful mates who are all chipped in. Um, beautiful girl. I've got my my, my son, who's only six. Um, and, you know, yeah, all, life's good. Good. Life's good, mate. So, um, what does he like, you, does he like you to for. cook for him, your boy? What's his name? Harvey. Harvey. What does he like you to cook for him? What's his favourite? Oh, mate, um, any anything... Um, yeah that resembles um, a certain restaurant in the high street, which Brilliant. I won't name, uh. but no, he'll eat anything. He'll eat anything. And his, um, yeah, he, he's like, it's like his dad. He'll consume anything. That's got a, <laughs> a, a food matter within it. But no, I was going to ask you, Charlie, if when you work in a shop that has these incredible things everywhere and the temptation, and you have to test and evaluate, of course, and the, but the temptation must be enormous to eat cheese and, and pork all day long. How do you not, how do you sort of rein yourself in? Well, mate, it's hard. We're just in the size of <laughs> lately. Um, but, you know, when you, when you have these operations and things, you lose an awful amount of, of weight very, very quickly. Yeah. And um, I, I'm putting it down to having a really lovely shop that I've managed to put a bit more weight back on, <laughs> shall we say. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, no, you do have to. It's, but, you see, it's no different in a restaurant when you're in the kitchen and when you're tasting all the time. Because you have to taste your food you because do, yeah. you have to make sure when it hits a plate and it goes to the customer that it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and so it's the same with cheese. I have to, and all the staff have to be able to understand the palate of each cheese, um, what it's great with. Do you know what? There's um, my, one of my, I have to tell you this, I've got to share this with you. So mm. well, there's not been many cheeses in the past 20 years that have really, really rocked my world. Really? Um, I, I love them all, but nothing that goes, do you know what? I've never fancied sleeping with a piece of cheese <laughs> ever in my lifetime. But for the first time in my life, I found a cheese that I'd like to sleep with under my pillow. <laughs> and I'll go, I'll go on to another story about this very, very quickly. Um, so in down near Bungay, there's a place called Fen Farm Dairy who make the most amazing barrel by God, which is, is, is brie-like and, and it okay. is rapturous in its What's texture it and its flavour. Uh, Baron Bygod. 
Marin by God. Okay. And it's made by Fen Farm Dairy. But uh, on the same dairy, there's another cheesemaker called St. Jude's Cheese, uh, which is run by an amazing female cheesemaker. I love her to bits. She's amazing. But she's also got another cheesemaker who works for um, called Blake. And he's Australian. And he's got this, he developed his own cheese called St. Helena, named after his birthplace in Australia. It's a wash rind. Uh, and it, it looks to the keener eye, it looks like a flatter version, a more rounded edge than Stinking Bishop. Okay. But not with the the, the the depth of smell that comes from it. And it is the most, we will share some at some point, mate, I can assure you. Um, <laughs> but it's the first cheese in my life I'd like to take to bed. Now, some might think it's weird, but it's not because you haven't tasted it. Oh, and I've not been God. able to get any for two weeks in the shop because they're now starting to make it again. But I have to sh- I'm going to have to share this with you. This young couple came in the shop just before Christmas and they said, um, can we have some stinking bishop, please? I said, yeah, of course you can. How much would you like? Oh, no. And his girlfriend said, it's not as bad as when we first met. I said, why? What happened? She said, well, we went camping in the middle of summer. And I said, oh, that's lovely. And she said, my boyfriend, um, uh, the first night, I said to my boyfriend, who's now her husband, what is that awful smell? <laughs> Thinking that he'd had bottom problems and blowing off in the old tent during the night. Very romantic. And, um, very romantic on your first holiday away together. And he said, no, 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 it's not me. It's it's the cheese. <laughs> he'd taken a piece of stinking bishop away with him on holiday for his first holiday in the middle of summer <laughs> with no cooling device and left it in the tent. Oh, <laughs> so man I did, alive. I did Can you lie. imagine? He was sweating away like a good one. Oh, wouldn't it be just? Um, oh. And I just looked at him and I said, and, and how things actually said, we're still married. Um and she's a very uh, good lady, by very, the way. She's very understanding, mate. Very. I, I just love, <laughs> I just love those sort of stories that that come. Well, and, that's the um, other side of what you do now, because you're not hiding in the kitchen anymore. You're out front and centre, so you're getting to meet these people. Yeah, I think a lot of people, a lot of people thought when I got a cheese shop, oh god, at least it'll be out the back. And obviously, we're making the sausage rolls <laughs> yeah. and everything else. Just go and, and chop up some cheese. Yeah. Just go and chop up some cheese and leave us alone, Charles, please. Um, but it is <laughs> lovely. It's what it's what we do. It's and it's, it, I go back to you and cigars and, and it's, if you love something, you want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, if something really raptures your soul, you want to share that feeling with people. Um, you know, because for me at the moment in time, what we're going through in, throughout the whole of the world with people um, who are in places of despair, um, we still have to eat. Um, yep. Food to me is still the most universal language that can help make people smile, if only for a minute, just a, a minute second of time. Yeah, it's so true. It's a great solace. And I've got great solace during this time by cooking. Just, you know, it's me and the wife and the kids, and that's yep. it. But at least you can, as you say, do something each day to bring a bit of, you know, pleasure a, a bit of spice a bit of color into your life and uh, you couldn't be more right about that and um yeah it's uh you know even when you're at your terrible lowest time a bowl of soup or something can just give you that lift can't it yeah you know and you, you food food has this it's just this majestic little way of making uh people Recognise other people don't forget. At Christmas, I had two separate people come into my shop. Um, one lady who wanted to buy, she only wanted to buy 30 grams of Stilton. Now, we only sell in 100 grams. Okay. I said, well, we only really sell in 100 grams. But she said, well, can you just cut me off a little slither so I can wrap it home and, and take it home? Because it's my fa- my husband's favourite cheese. Um, and I said, oh, is that all he wants? She said, he won't be eating it. He's passed away. But uh, oh. But all she has is this little bit of cheese and she'll have a nibble of it. Less and she hates the stuff. She hated it. Really? And another and and that's that's a beautiful story. So that's God, Charlie, how do you get through myself. the day without loving? <laughs> yeah, and, and do you know what? It's it's but it's that's emotional, really important to me. It is mm. emotional because food's emotional. And yeah. there was another chap who came to my shop. Um, I have a cheese that's washed in Newcastle brand. I hope he doesn't mind, because I won't mention names. Um and he was the same age as me and had lost his wife uh, last year. Um, but her favourite alcohol was Newcastle Brown Ale. Really? And I serve uh, a beautiful cheese called Admiral Collingwood. 
which has got a, a Newcastle wash rind on it. I don't know if you know Nick, but Abel Collingwood was Nelson's right-hand man at Trafalgar. Okay. Yeah. Um, an amazing man. So that cheese, even though it's from Newcastle, has a link back to Norfolk from Nelson. Um, and he was saying, oh, you've got a cheese that's got Newcastle brown ale. I said, yeah, I have. He said, can I just have a little slice? Because um, I said, well, yeah, of course you can. What? He said, oh, it's just I lost my wife and, this year. And she's she's loved Newcastle brown ale. Oh, amazing. And people tell you their life stories, don't they, over a counter? Yeah, they do. But, and is that, and, you know, when we opened the shop, Nick, it had to be, the shop had to be, it wasn't about money. It's got to, it's got to wash its face. It's got to, um, it's got to pay its way. Sure. But the shop I wanted, the easiest way people will understand this, I wanted it to be like open all hours, but with a modern till. Granville. <laughs> Yeah, Granville, and I, I don't wear uh, I don't wear um, uh, tank tops. I can't. I just I have you got a pinny? Right. Have tried. you got a white pinny? And have you got a bike? No, I haven't. But I have a bowler hat from Holcomb Estate. Oh yeah, and course. I have yeah. my beautiful a beautiful tweed um, waistcoat. And anyway, so <laughs> so it had it had to be about the love of, of of the people around us, and that's what the shop was about. And yeah. maybe maybe in these uncertain times. It teaches me more and more and more on a daily basis why we've opened the shop. Yeah, it's true. And then the bottom line is food cooked with love is what it's about, isn't it? And, and the same applies to where it comes from. It's, you know, produce made with love and all the things we've talked about is that's why it creates those impressions. And to hear those stories, it's just lovely to think that people, it gives them well, a little bit of their day, you know, and... Well, and also, Nick, we have to remember the older generations who aren't coming out so much as uh, as much as they 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 used to no. them, purely because of COVID. And they're keeping safe, True. which is an amazing thing. And I like to say, you know, we, we don't encourage people to come out and shop. If they do, we start a delivery service tomorrow and things. But um, the most important thing for me is you never know the people you see on a daily basis. And we've all suffered with mental health, and you know, I've dealt with mental health for thirty four and a half years, um, and. You don't know when someone comes in your shop no. if what they are going through at home. And some no. people come into the shop and luckily enough they aren't grumpy. Or, but I think it's it's paramount and it's so, so vitally important that yeah. we, we spend the same amount of time and with someone who comes into the shop who's just going to buy one small piece of cheese or someone who wants to buy half the shop. Because yeah. that person who's obviously just buying a little bit of cheese might just be on their own, might be with the husband or wife, elderly, old, um, or going through issues at home that they just need to get out of and just spend a bit of time in the fresh air or just for someone to say, hello, how are you? Joe, a, a, a very, a very quick story, Nick. When hmm. I was going through my, my deepest, my deepest and darkest times in mental health. And it was the, uh, it was one of the penultimate times I tried to take my own life. And um, this this person at this, this garage taught me the most amazing thing that I'd ended up in a in a, a very dark place, um, and had everything set out, and it was my what I saw in my head as my final act. But I went to have a cigarette, and I'd I'd picked up the wrong packet of cigarettes. At the time, I smoked Marlboro Red. Um, and I thought, I just can't do this without a cigarette. I cannot do, I cannot go any more forward. I just want a cigarette and then I'll be calm and uh, I will find my own peace. I thought the garage isn't far. It's about a uh, two mile drive back to the roundabout on a big roundabout. And I went in, bought my cigarettes. And as I turned to walk away, the lady just looked at me and said, do you know what? Have a safe journey. So she didn't know at that point what she'd said. No. But it struck you. It stopped me from doing what I was going to do. Oh. Yeah, and she'll never know, presumably. She'll never know, unless she listens to your podcast. But all these things are quite emotional and they still wretch at me because I was willing to yeah. do something that was going to tear... The point, the point you're making is absolutely vital that, you know, just a smile and a friendly word 
can literally save a life. Absolutely. And that is fact. And you it never is. know what someone's going through, you know, just think, you know, all before you speak, basically. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And do you know what? Um, the most amazing words were came out of a, an amazing woman's mouth at last. Um, well, we all always, you know, we know about people who take their own lives and some are, some are massive names and some are unknowns and some people never know about. And then you get these most amazing people who take their own life. And I won't mention her name, but um, she sadly died with chased by the press and she took her own life. Um, and her hashtag has, has been since then and it's been pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed so people understand it for people just to be kind. Exactly. And it's so it's, easy. So easy. Sometimes, Nick, that's all people need is someone just to be kind. Yeah, exactly. Even though you understand that they can't physically help you with what's happening. Yeah. The thought that someone else took the time to be pleasant to you shows you that there is another side to every coin. And I know I've been nothing like you, Charlie, but I've had bad times. We all have bad times. And I remember that feeling that somebody, probably the only person that week, who wasn't shouting at me or coming after me for something X, Y, Z, somebody did something nice to me and it, it made such a difference. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing. The, the, just, the, just that simple, uh, the written word or the spoken word uh, in the right way yeah. can save life. Yeah. Absolutely right. And if people are struggling, we should say, shouldn't we? Who should they talk to? Anyone, I suppose, is better than nothing. I think, do you know what? I, I, try, and, I try and get people to, if we can, and I, I, sit on, I sit as an ambassador for Hospitality Action, which is the forefront of our industry, Yeah. Um, trying to help people at the moment who are going through all sorts of problems in their lifetimes. And when I when I did my last sausage roll last year um, at the Red Lion, it was called My Saving Grace. Yeah. Uh, my Saving Grace wasn't uh, Samaritans, it wasn't mine, it wasn't anybody else. My Saving Grace was 13 people who all individually had, not individuals, some were groups, some were different groups put together, but there were 13 in, in My Saving Grace who all had a very important part to play in my healing uh, and my start of my new journey um, back to life. And were these friends and acquaintances? Friends, acquaintances. Yeah. Um, uh, the roll-off is a conglomerate uh, of 20 chefs and, and Angus and Claire okay. um, for one. Then uh, another mate of mine who I sat on his sofa when I um, made my first ever public um and shared mine public, publicly um, yeah. the fact that as, as a child I'd been um, sexually abused. And he's, he sat there and listened as I made my uh, historical sexual uh, with the police and made my statements and everything else. So it all sort of stems back yeah. through seven different people who made a fundamental part of being part of my life who stood, stood by me through thick or thin, basically. Thank God, Dave, you. Yeah, absolutely. But by grace of God, eh? Oh, absolutely, mate. And that's the other thing that's a good point. You know, bad things don't just happen to other people. So <laughs> um, they happen to everybody. <laughs> don't oh, they? Mate, absolutely. Absolutely. Without um, a shadow of doubt. So, you know, but if people are struggling, they're listening to this and, and thinking we don't know where to go. Obviously, there is amazing people like the Samaritans. Firstly, if, if you've got really to that point or mind. Yeah. Um, and amazing charities and local charities to people wherever they might be listening from. But oh, well, also, someone at the end of the phone is just, you know, is, is a release, isn't it? Yeah, mine was just pick up the phone to your mate. Yeah. And we try and use that thing, text your mate, call your mate, Instagram yeah. your mate, email your mate, just Te don't visit yeah, your mate. Absolutely. Even a text going, how are you, mate? could be all yeah. the difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me, um, tell me, A, about your cheese box that people can buy. And B, when am I going to get one? <laughs> uh, well, you can 
Uh, we, we don't do deliveries all over the UK at the moment. Okay. We, don't, we, we don't do mail order by cheese, sadly, at the moment, purely because we're not set up for it. So we're doing a local delivery service round, sort of 20 miles from the shop at the moment, uh, nice. um, which, we start, which we start tomorrow. Um, and I'll have to wait. Um, it's going to be easier for me. See, I've got all this pan with you, Nick, because I thought, well, I've still got a bottle of Nelson's Gold ready for oh, us yes. to drink. Yes. Which is, which is in the freezer still. I might have to take it out. I forgot about that. Um, we've still got that opportunity. And do you know what the nicest thing about... No, not the nicest thing. That's wrong to say that because it's disrespectful. Um, <laughs> one of the good things to come out of me getting cancer was to give up smoking. Okay. So I haven't yeah. had a cigarette since the day I was diagnosed and I gave you up the same it. day. Yes and no. Some yeah. days I fancy yeah. Marlborough. Some days I don't. Right. Most of the time I don't. But nothing's terrible. But nothing terrible, and I've I've had I've not had anything to drink since two pints of cider and a glass of prosecco on uh, New Year's Eve, or two glasses. That right? That's all I've had because um. Well, firstly, I think it's a bit of uh, sticking your fingers up to the NHS, especially if you carry on smoking. No, I agree with um, you. It's um, and each of the way, you know, I'm not going to condemn condone those people who do, uh, but for me personally, it's a bit sticking my fingers up, and I can't do that. Um, the drinking stuff, I just don't feel like doing at the moment. Because no. we're social creatures. I'm not a great drinker at home. Um, and I'm a social creature and I can't wait to go out and drink with the boys and the girls. Um, so, but the one thing I will say, I've still got my um, uh, cigar in its case. So when we do meet and we have that bottle of Nelson's Gold, thanks Matt and Steph, by the way, and um, we have our cheese together, I'm going to light it up and I'm going to have two puffs on it. I'm going to put it out. I'm going to put it back in its tin and keep it again. Good. And so um, that's, you also need to uh, need to toast each other with a glass of oriental cigar gin yes we do well that's that's sitting on the swing in the front shop window next to a nice pair of slippers at the moment oh um, beautiful uh, with, a, with a beautiful book of a mate of mine <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah so it's all um onwards and upwards nick um i still get still get very emotional talking about past and life and and the ups well, that's uh, and the downs as much but you it can't is life move on without dealing with what's happened in the past so yeah no very much so and uh, what so. does the future hold, Charlie? What are your plans? Anything in mind for when, if and when the world returns to some sort of normality? Um, we've got lots. We've got lots going on. We've got quite a lot of stuff coming up with Coastal. Um, we've got a new, we're hopefully going to develop a food range with Coastal Exploration. That'll be like that packed, a bit like um, Army Rations. Maybe one day we'll talk about that. Um, oh, yeah. We'll talk about that one day. Um and do you know what, mate? After my scares of this year, I've got the shop that we wanted. We want to do so much more. We want to develop deliveries, grow the shop chain, but we can't do that at the moment. You know, we can't even think about opening no. another one at the moment. Um, and just actually be a bit more appreciative than what we've got around us. I think that's. Well, I can imagine that's going through what, what you have makes you think every day. Bloody hell! I'm so chuffed to be here. Oh, mate, I am. I am. It's um, yeah, and and it sounds quite selfish in the world we're in, where so many people are going through so much crap at the moment and not knowing from one day to the next. Um, but yeah, I've got so much to be grateful for, mate. Whatever happens in life, you know, I'm yeah. here, I'm alive. I can yeah. tell the tale. I can joke about stuff. I've got a beautiful, beautiful shop, beautiful family. I've got some amazing friends. Um, what more and, could you ask? Um, and I live in. I live in the most one of the most amazing counties that you could wish for. So, what more could you wish for, Nick? And you get to what go sailing with Henry. So, <laughs> yeah, not so much. But that's that's the only really pant side of this pandemic you're at the moment. To get out, aren't you? I can't get on the water. Ugh. I can't get on the water. Whether it's on the broads or on the sea, we just can't get out. And right. um, that is, I guess, if someone offered me. Uh, a drink tomorrow, what could I have for the rest of my life? A drink or to be back on the water, it has to be back on the water. Would it be straight away? Yeah. Bless yeah. you, it won't be far away, Charlie. No, it won't, hopefully so. Hopefully so, mate. But lovely talking to you, mate. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Keep in touch. Perhaps you'll come on again uh, when things are calmed down and we've got some more stuff going on and tell us about that. And um, as soon as we're able, we're going to do that Pleasure cruise, or at least get together over a meal, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Pleasure cruise, bit of food. Um, I think we can do something a bit more exciting than that, don't you? <laughs> I know you. Not too excited. <laughs> <laughs> I know, mate. I'm, I'm under doctor orders. I can't be too silly anymore. 
good because I'll tell the listeners just before you go. I was chuckling this morning when I was walking the dogs because I remembered when we went out. <laughs> I made myself laugh because you, um, Henry, and was it no? Was it Colin? Yeah, and Colin, Colin. overboard yeah. <laughs> with the boat. I was the only one that wasn't. <laughs> yeah, you, you were the only one who kept dry, weren't you? I kept very dry. And, uh, <laughs> yes. yeah, I, sorry, sorry. I feel a bit bad about that. But. Something was really, really cold when I went in, and it wasn't my hands. I can assure you. <laughs> And it was, it was quite a chilly day, mate. If I'm being honest, it was raw. It was raw, raw. You can You're see. I think, I think when um when it came out in the Country Life magazine, uh, Henry was on on the bar end, and I was on the the the, the, the back the back bar end, and um, <laughs> I had my sunglasses on. But if, if if I didn't have my glasses on, you'd have seen in my eyes how cold yeah. that water was. Yeah, you did have an expression on your face that told you it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a bit chipper, mate. I can assure you. Bless you. But we, we got you home safe and sound. That's all that matters. You did. Until next time. God bless Until you, next mate. time. Take care. God bless, Nick. All the best. Love to you and the family. Bye. And you. Bye, mate. Well, I told you it was powerful stuff, didn't I? Um, just sitting, listening back to that. Hairs on the back of my neck were going again. Um, thank you, Charlie. Thanks for coming on, my friend. And I cannot wait to see you. What else have I got to tell you? Uh, the audio book is just about upon us. We're just about to put that out now. Final touches to that. Uh, so basically the audio book of Around the World in 80 Cigars is me reading the book. What more could you ask for? Um, the book is still available in print, of course, and you can get your signed copy by writing to me, Nick, N-I-C-K, at Nick dash Hammond, H-A-M-M-O-N-D dot com. Uh, keep listening to the pod as well, but the audiobook's coming out. It's going to be around and about £5, I think, so an absolute snip. And if you can bear listening to my dulcets for several hours at a stretch, then uh, probably the easiest way to do it is drop me that email. Get in touch with me and I will arrange to send you a, uh, a once-only download link to the audiobook. Um, what else is the Souter? Lawrence and I of Souter are doing tons of stuff. Um, tastings, live Insta, the live Insta on a Tuesday and a Friday goes ahead ever more successfully. 6 p.m. Come and join us just for a chat, a drink, a cigar. On Friday we have a quiz and where the ever generous Mr. Davis gives away cigars to the lucky winners. Uh, we're also doing some events uh, over the next couple of weeks. We have the Battle of the Robustos Blind Tasting, which I believe you can still sign up to at www.soutercigars.com. Souter being S-A-U-T-T-E-R. Uh, and we have an online series with Drew Estate coming up. There's loads of stuff going, so check out Souter um, for all that we are doing there. I must talk to you about Rutherford's as well. Made in England, English bridal accessories made with love by craftsmen and women in uh, Cheshire. An absolutely stunning collection of music cases, briefcases, folios, wallets, belts and things. Uh, you name it, if you want something made in leather, they can pretty much do it. These people are geniuses. Um, do check out their website rutherfordsengland.com that's r-u-t-h-e-r-f-o-r-d-s-e-n-g-l-a-n-d dot com rutherfordsengland.com can't miss those uh, so that I think brings us to the end of the pod get in touch with me if I can help with anything at all please like, subscribe, review where you can it all helps me create noise don't forget the Oriental Cigar Gin is out there my collaboration with Leggett's um, and a remarkable gin designed to be drunk with cigars. Uh, and we will be doing some features on that in future pods. Um, I also have some events coming out with Robert Graham, 1874 in Scotland. We've got an event uh, with the cigar gin, I think, coming up. So check those out. Uh, and get in touch if there's anything else I can help you with. I hope you all remain full of the joys of spring. We're nearly there, folks. Keep going. Best of all, just remember, be kind to each other and look after each other. All the best. Mm -hmm.